Well, I was at General Council a couple weeks ago, and our president, John Stumble, who's preached here before, a lot of you know him, personal friends with him, uh, some of you are. Um, he gets emotional when he speaks. So he's ultimately my boss. So if I get emotional, is that okay today? Somebody told me, my buddy Phil, I expect you to cry today. I'm like, come on, Phil. Help me out here a little bit. Well, before I get into my message, I just want to give you a little heads up and an update on where I'm going, what I'm doing, kind of what's happening next in my life. Um, Probably a lot of you know this, some of you might not, but our church um, hired a search firm called SEMA Partners. And SEMA Partners um, helped Gateway Church go through the process of finding Pastor Jeff. And in the midst of that, before they ever were hired by Gateway Church, I was in negotiations and talking with them about what they do and whether or not I would be a good fit with them. And so um, they said, well, it'd be really fun if you could help us in the process of finding Gateway's next pastor. So I was a part of that process. I helped them take off my pastor hat and put on my SEMA hat and, uh, and watched that process and enjoyed that process and thought, I'd like to do that. So that's where I'm going next. I'm going to help churches find pastors. I'm going to help nonprofits find executive directors. Uh, eventually, I'll get into the corporate world where I'll help corporations find certain people in their corporations as well. And uh, it fits me who I am and uh, my personality. And so, just so that you're aware, that's kind of my next my next gig. It doesn't pay real well. <laughs> There's a little scary part in it. You see, it's 100% commission. So if I don't get any searches, then I don't get paid. <laughs> but praise God, I think I've got uh, contract number one going to be signed tomorrow. Yeah. Um, another thing I want to tell you is when a pastor has been at a church for a long, long time. And Pastor Paul was here for 32 years. He was your senior pastor over 25 years. It's a tough act to follow. And things aren't going to be the way Pastor Paul did them moving forward. And for most pastors to succeed after somebody's been there a long time, the odds of him staying very long are really, really slim. But you know what? You can make a difference in that. How you accept him, how you allow him to lead, how you allow him to be the man of God that God has called him to be, the pastor that he's called to be, it's not going to be Pastor Paul. It's not going to be Pastor Joel. But guess what? This isn't my church. This isn't your church. Don't say those words. We don't do that in my church. This is God's church. And the Bible says that 
Gateway Church is the bride of Christ. That's who you are. So don't complain if things don't go your way. Or if something changes that you really like. I want to encourage you to ask questions. Why did we change that? Why are we not doing it that way? Why are the drums over there now instead of in the middle? Whatever you want to say. (laughs) Ask why. Because I guarantee you that Jeff is a good leader and he'll have a reason and a purpose behind it. Understand the reason and the purpose. Well, that was my soapbox for you today. That has nothing to do with my message, but I just want to set this table straight. If you don't like that, you can't fire me, so (laughs) just deal with it. Title of my message this morning, and you can see it on this little sheet that you got, is Finishing Strong, and I want you to turn it over because there's a phrase there that you don't even have to write down. It's right there written down for you. I want you to read it. Finishing strong isn't about how you end. It's about how you live. Lots of people have been telling me, oh, you're finishing strong, you're doing the right things. Yeah, but it really wouldn't matter if I was a guy that nobody really liked. And you were like really excited. Well, some of you might be excited that I'm leaving. I don't know. But if you didn't like me and you weren't excited about our friendship, you'd be like, yeah, good riddance. Get him out of here. But I want to finish strong because I live my life in such a way that sets it up for that. So today I'm going to tell you three stories. You know I like to tell stories. You know that, Larry, right? You like it when I tell stories. You always tell me, tell more. I'm going to tell you three stories, all tied to this concept of finishing strong. First one is a guy by the name of Horacio Spafford. Horacio Spafford was a well-known lawyer and a businessman in Chicago in the 1860s, where he lived with his wife, Anna, and their five children. He had invested heavily in real estate along the shores of Lake Michigan. He was a prosperous man and a devout Christian. Now, this is right after the Civil War. However, in 1870, a series of events began to turn Horatio's world upside down. That year, Horatio and Anna's only son died of scarlet fever at the age of four years old. Doesn't seem fair. A year later, while the Spaffords were still grieving the loss of their son, the great Chicago fire broke out and destroyed nearly every one of Horatio's investments. His entire life savings was gone. Aware of the toll these disasters had taken on his family, Horatio decided to take his wife and his four daughters on a vacation to England. They were to accompany a famous evangelist by the name of D.L. Moody. When life gets tough, do you go and listen to preachers? Or do you go into your room and 
wallow in your self-pity. Just before they were to set sail, a last-minute business development forced Horatio to, to delay. Not wanting to ruin the family's holiday, he persuaded his family to go on as planned, and he would follow along later. With this decided, Horatio stayed in college while Anna and his girls boarded a French steamship set to sail for England. But several days later, Horatio received devastating news. The ship his family was traveling on had been struck by an iron sailing vessel from England. The ship sank in 12 minutes, claiming the lives of 226 passengers. It was the worst disaster in naval history until 40 years later when the Titanic sank. The next day he received a telegraph from his wife, Anna. She sent it from Wales. It said these six words, survived alone, what should I do? The Spafford's four daughters were among those who had perished. After hearing the terrible news, Horatio boarded the next ship out of New York to join his bereaved wife. During his voyage, the captain of the ship called him to the bridge, and he said, a careful reckoning has been made, he said, and I believe we are now passing the very place where your family's ship sank. You know the next line of the story? What would you do when you're there? Would you be overcome with grief? Would you be struggling, asking God why? At that point, staring into the watery grave of his daughters, Horatio penned the words, It is well. If you don't know that song, I'm going to read you the words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, that's old English for when times are good and when times are bad, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. We sing that hymn, that's the story behind it. Could you say those things if you're in Horatio's shoes? Would you say those things? What's your response when life hands you a setback, when life throws you a curveball, when you want to say that's not fair? Horatio didn't deserve that. God should have protected him from such great tragedies. Isn't our Heavenly Father a loving Father? How could he let 
those things happen to a child of his. Lose all his five children, lose his business. Do you think he questioned God? But what did he do when in the midst of that struggle? He turned to the only person that can give him the answer. And it wasn't a friend who could give him a shoulder to cry on. It was only in Jesus. Many of us, myself included, would have wanted to give Horatio what I call a Sunday school answer. You know what a Sunday school answer is? You'll be all right. God will take care of you. God knows what you're going through. God is in control. Do we not believe he isn't? Why do we say these things? His ways are higher than our ways. True? I call it a Sunday school answer. He promises to never leave us or forsake us. He has always taken care of you before. He will do it again. And this is my favorite one. And be, <sighs> hear my heart here, okay? Because I don't mean to be disrespectful to anyone. But you're going you're gonna to get a lesson here today. I think the worst Sunday school answer we can give to someone, and I know you're going to feel bad because some of you have given me this one is I'm praying for you. We're going to talk about that a little later. Just let it sink in a little bit. I consider Sunday school answers shallow, empty words. Someone who's in the midst of a trial or confusion or great loss, those are shallow words. Because at the root of our struggle isn't the circumstances. The root of Horatio's struggle isn't the loss of children or business. The root of Horatio's problem is his relationship with Jesus Christ. Where does it go when everything isn't going the way you planned or the way you thought it should go or the way you want it to go? That is the root of the issue. We know those statements to be true, those Sunday school answers, and we can point to success in the lives of believers, but in the middle of the storm, they're nothing more than human words. Human words. There's nothing divine in them that's going to fix the situation, nothing that will snap you out of your pit that you're in. Nothing will bring you out of whatever struggle you're dealing with but the voice of God. When you're struggling in life, whose voice do you listen to? Do you listen to your spouse's voice? Do you listen to someone who will gripe alongside of you? Or do you listen above the earthly noise to what Jesus says. And it might come in lots of different ways. When I was at council a couple weeks ago, our president said this, when you feel that you're at the bottom and you're struggling with whatever struggle you have in your life right now, 
Here's what he said. There's nowhere that he has never been. There's nowhere that Jesus has never been. So you might think you're in the bottom, you're in the end, you're in a spot that nobody else understands. Jesus does. Because he's been there and he's with you right now. Finishing strong isn't about how you end. It's about how you live. No one would have ever remembered Horatio Spafford. Nor would he have finished strong if he didn't respond to the crisis in his life the way he did when he did. Think about that for a second. Okay, we wouldn't have had this hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. But if he wouldn't have responded in the way that he did, you, nobody would have known about him. Who's going to remember you 100 years from now? You think, well, my kids will. No, they'll be dead. Here's proof. Can anybody give me the name of their great-great-grandfather? One guy. Two. I can't give you the name of my great-great-grandfather. Or what he did. But we remember Horatio because of how he lived his life. My challenge to you today is how are you going to live your life? Story number two. This story is my story and it's your story for the past year and a half here at Gateway Church. This message today is not about me and I don't want this day to be about me. And I told you that this morning, Mike. And you say, well, it it is kind of. And I say, well, I'm going to turn people to Jesus because that's what it's about. So I'm struggling to know how much to share and how much to not share. And maybe in a private setting, if you want to know more, I can bear my soul to you. But for sake of time... And not wanting to dig deep into my struggles in life. I'll tell you this. Um, The last year and a half have been about my journey with Jesus. Not about my calling, not about my job, those were struggles. There were times I would, for the first time in my life, I mean, I grew up in the church, I was in the church all the time, every time the doors were open. And I went to Bible college, and from there I started in ministry, and I've been in church I told the guys on the board, I said, I've been on a church board for 28 years of my life. Um, I don't care if I'm ever going to another church board meeting. (laughs) Not that they're bad, it's just that's a lot of them. But for the first time in my life, I would sit in my truck out in the lot or in the sanctuary in the parking lot. 
And I would struggle to muster enough strength to come into church and to put my pastor hat on and do what God called me to do. And no matter what people said, no matter how you tried to encourage me, no matter what my wife said to me or didn't say to me, it wasn't about the circumstances. It was about my relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want you to get that today, that maybe, maybe you're not dealing with anything today. Maybe life is good for you, and you're going, well, I don't know what you're worried about. My life's good. I got a job. I pay my bills. My wife loves me. My kids love me. They're all coming over for Father's Day today. Life is good. Great. Then be careful with the Sunday school answers that you give to other people. But if you're dealing with something that's difficult today or in your life right now or struggles that you have or questions you may have about God, don't try to fix it. Don't try to fix the circumstance that you're in before you work on the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. And if you don't have one, come see me afterwards. I'll talk to you about that. But if you do have one and you're struggling with it, that's okay. Let's work through it. My wife saw the best and the worst in me, and she walked with me through this. But now I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to pull out your cell phone. I know this is church. We're not supposed to get our cell phones out, right? <laughs> get it out. Hit your code or whatever you got to do to get to your home screen. And I want you to hit your camera button. Now, this is weird. Don't take a picture of me. Turn the camera around and take a selfie. Now, don't take seven of them because you're not going to post this on social media and you got to get the right perfect picture. Just take a picture of yourself. <laughs> got it? If you don't have a cell phone, sit next to somebody and stick your face into their picture and get your picture taken with them. Okay, now go to that picture. There's mine. See, I did it. What do you see? Pretty scary. <laughs> Therapy. A new haircut. What do you see when you look at a picture of yourself? Do you see maybe a guy at work who's struggling and afraid he might lose his job? Maybe you see a person who dislikes their life, dislikes their relationships, struggles with life. Maybe you look in that picture and you see a retired person and you want to know, does God have anything left for me to do? What am I supposed to do with my life tomorrow? Maybe, since we've all been to a million open houses in the last three weeks, you're a student and you wonder, what does God have planned for my life? And you look at that picture and you wonder, what is my career going to hold for me? What am I supposed to do in the next 10, 12, 15 years of my life? I'm confused and I'm tired of answering that question. Maybe you look and you see a mom and you wonder, 
Am I adequate? Maybe you see a dad who's just trying to pay the bills every month. Maybe you see someone who wonders if Jesus even cares anymore. Whatever lie from Satan that you're listening to right now as you look at that picture, remember this. Finishing strong is not about how you end. It's about how you live. One of the elders from this church, Craig Skistad, taught me a lot about that. We always, he's a counselor, so he's supposed to fix people, right? He would say, people would come in and tell him their problems or their issues, and he'd go, well, that's not, that's not your problem, that's just a circumstance. Let's dig a little deeper, and let's dig a little deeper. And he would get at the root. And what is the root of the struggle that you go through in life, when you go through that struggle? It's your relationship with Jesus. And where is it at? And what is he trying to do to mold and shape you into the person that he wants you to be? And are you allowing him to mold you and shape you, or are you trying to fix the circumstance? Men in this room, you want to finish strong? You want your life to count? You want to be respected and honored by your family and friends? I sure hope nobody from here is trying to call me right now. My phone is buzzing. I'll talk to you afterwards. Men, you want to finish strong? It's his Father's Day. Listen to this. This is my commandment in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You might be struggling with something today, and I don't know what it is. God isn't saying, oh, it'll get better. He says, be strong and courageous. Because he's got a reason why he's allowing you to deal with that. And he says he's going to go with us. Here's another one for the men and the women in this church today. The godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children who follow them. You want to be honored and respected? You want to finish strong? You want your life to count? Walk in integrity. My wife shared with me a verse this morning, and I laughed because not only is it my life verse, it was on her daily little thing she has on her I don't know what you call that desk counter vanity that's what you call it I don't I don't use it maybe I should I don't know <laughs> but this is my life verse and if you ever wonder what God wants you to do Go to Micah chapter 6, verse 8. The Lord has told you what to do and what is good, and this is what is required of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. I could spend my whole life just trying to do those three things. Story number three. Now you got to 
pretend with me a little bit, okay? I don't want to go political here, and I know some of you are going to go there with me, but don't. Okay? Let's pretend that our next president, and now you have to pretend that it's not the guy who's in office right now, nor somebody who's been in office in the past, nor somebody who is now running for office. Okay, this is an imaginary person. I'm going to call him President Pete. Because I don't think we've ever had a president named Pete, have we? So President Pete is elected in 2020. He's our next president. He gets elected, and his first order of business is he makes an executive decision to create a monument in Washington, D.C. that is larger than any other monument in that town. And the monument is a likeness of himself. And his position as the leader of the free world. Then, once he gets this accomplished, he issues a new executive law or order that says... Whenever the sirens blow, like, you know, once a month, you know, when the emergency sirens blow or when there's a tornado, they blow. Whenever the sirens blow, everyone in the United States is to go and bow down, pray, pay respect, honor, dare I say, worship that monument of him and his likeness. The penalty for not obeying this executive order, which, by the way, he can do. President Pete. Not many other presidents. President Pete. The penalty for not obeying that law is instant incarceration. You are sent to jail where you will be tried by the judicial system of our government as a traitor of your country and executed as a traitor of the United States of America. Does that sound ridiculous? Let us pick up the story in Daniel chapter 3. Then President Pete, Nebuchadnezzar, flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. You remember the story? Nebuchadnezzar made a monument of himself. And told everybody that you got to bow down and worship this monument when the music plays. And if you don't, you will be executed. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then, what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Here's their response. They didn't say, well, give us one more shot, okay? We'll go into hiding or we'll run out into the country. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend or defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown 
into the blazing furnace. The God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Three guys. Their names are so difficult to say that if they weren't in this story, I dare to say they would never make it in the Bible. I don't know any Americans that named their kids Shadrach or Meshach or to bed we go. <laughs> That's what kids say, right? Are you seeing a pattern here? People in history that are remembered are people who have gone through great struggles or tremendous difficulty in their lives. How have they been remembered is by the decisions that they made in the midst of that difficult time in their life. We want to say to God, my assistant told me this a couple of weeks ago, Karen, you said this, you said, and this isn't a Sunday school answer because I was listening for the voice of God and this spoke to my heart. You said, we want to say, God, just show me and I will trust you. And God says back, trust me and I will show you. Come on up, guys. Horatio Spafford did nothing wrong. Yet God allowed great tragedy in his life. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were following God's laws and were sentenced to execution. Maybe today you're feeling like life isn't fair to you either. I dare say you haven't lost all of your children to tragedy. None of us in here have suffered an execution order. But your pain is real, and your suffering is real. And your hardship is wearing you down. I asked the team and Tom to come and sing a song here at this service. And Tom says to me, he goes, it's not really a worship song. <laughs> I said, yeah, I know, Tom. But I want you to listen to the words. Because it comes out of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's story. Where they say... Um, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Then these words they say, but even if, even if all the Sunday school answers don't come true, we want to make it clear that we will never serve another God. They say sometimes you win some Sometimes you lose some. Let's start over. Can you give me a starting note? Mm -hmm. 
They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing back. I've stood on this stage night after night Reminding the broken it'll be all right But right now, right now I just can't It's easy to sing when there's nothing to bring me down What will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am right now? I know you're able and I know you can save through the fire with your mighty hand. But even if you don't, my hope is you alone. They say takes a little pain to move a mountain well good thing a little faith is all I have right now God when you choose to make mountains unmovable oh give me the strength to be able to sing it is Hey. Yeah.
is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, team. talk about Sunday school answers and how do we encourage one another how do we build one another up as believers what do we say if I'm not supposed to give you a Sunday school answer what in the world am I supposed to do I was at council a couple weeks ago and saw a friend of mine who I really respect very successful in ministry classmate of mine in college Writer of books has his own blog that people follow. And I said to him, I said, how's ministry going? And he and his wife looked at me and they said, okay. And I went, ooh. Well, let's dig a little bit. And he shared with me a little bit, just struggles that everybody goes through, right? Difficulties that you have. Lest you think pastors go to an office every day and just read the Bible and pray and God meets them there every day and life is glorious and the angels are singing hallelujah, uh, you should show up sometime gateway office and see what it's really all about. Sometimes it's messy. Well, he was on my mind, so I wrote him a email and I just encouraged him I said John watched you from afar and appreciate all you've done with your life tried not to give him Sunday school answers I think I probably gave him one he wrote me back and because he's a writer I just had to read a part of what his email said back to me he said Joel I'm a blessed man in so many ways God has kept me, blessed me, enabled me, and never failed me over the years. It's true, and then he names the church that he is at, has been a difficult ministry. But it's also been full of innumerable blessings. Chief among them is the sanctifying, refining, refining work God has been doing and continues to do in my heart. Through it, I came to the realization and resolve a number of years ago that if Jesus is my goal, then anything can be my friend. If other things are my goal, then most everything can become an enemy. I found that Jesus is worth it whatever it is at the moment. That doesn't mean I like it or enjoy it for sure, but it is in the hands of a sovereign God made to be a friend to guide me more deeply into relationship with Jesus, who is the goal and delight of my soul. In the end of Daniel chapter 3, 
Nebuchadnezzar says to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there is no other God who can rescue like this. You know what happened to those guys, right? Strongest men in the nation threw them into this fire. They died throwing these three guys into the fire. But God rescued them. And Nebuchadnezzar looked into that fire and he said, didn't we throw three guys in there? But I see four. Unhurt, unbound, and walking around. And when those three guys came out, and you know how they dress in the Middle East. Long flowing robes. Long beards. Not only was their hair not singed, the Bible says they didn't even smell like smoke. Did God take care of them? That's not a rhetorical question. Thank you. You've been pretty quiet here today. Is God going to take care of me? Is God going to take care of you? Men, people are watching you. On Father's Day and every other day. Your kids are watching you. Your wives are watching you. Your coworkers are watching you. The world is watching you. You want to finish strong? Live your life in such a way that you can. If I've left any legacy here at Gateway, I hope it's this. No matter the struggle, no matter the decision, no matter what the world says, my desire is to serve God and to lead others to follow Him. That's what I want your legacy to be. I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Let's pray. Lord, there's a lot of history in this room. A lot of relationships. A lot of ministry. A lot of people that I've ministered to, but Lord, there's a lot of people in here that have ministered to me. My prayer today, Lord, is that these people in this church would live a life that honors you. That they would finish strong. That as their new pastor comes in, that you would bless them with the desires of your heart. Lord, that you would give them opportunities to minister to one another. That you would cause this church to grow, Lord. Because we know that there are lost people in Elk River, Minnesota. They need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And they need your touch and your hand when they are going through difficult seasons in life, just like we need it. So, Father, I ask that you bless this church. Bless them with the things that they need, not to make life easy, 
but that would draw them closer and closer and closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.